Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Somebody ought to just call that name of Jesus right now. Oh, we calling out to you. You're as close as the mention of your name. Jesus, at your name, demons have to tremble. At the mention of your name, angels bow down in reverence. At the mention of your name, sickness has to leave. Diseases have to vanish. At the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you stand with me, if you have your Bible, we're just going to read one verse of Scripture. Hosea chapter 13 and verse number 9. What a beautiful presence of the Lord that's here. and I believe that God has already moved in this service. I'm just asking that we would just open our hearts. Let's let the Lord speak to us from his word. Hosea chapter 13, verse number 9. And the scripture tells us this. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. When you're by yourself, I know where it's going, but in me. I am your help. And I want to preach to us today on this subject. Try it God's way. Try it God's way. Let's, let's lift our voices one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm praying that you would touch, you would encourage, you would inspire through your word. Let us leave changed, healed, set free, encouraged by only your word. God, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, there is no question that humanity can do a lot by themselves. Uh, from the very beginning of life, we have this uncanny knack to celebrate what we can do. When that young mother holds her baby in her arms, she is already looking forward to the day that she can rejoice when that baby takes their first steps. Uh, that young mother's filled with anticipation and excitement the day when that baby can open their mouth and speak for the very first time. It's those very first years we try to teach our children how to stand and how to speak. We spend the rest of our lives telling them to sit down and be quiet. But it's the very first few years we enjoy the time when they begin to learn. And as children begin to grow, those causes for celebration become even more important. When that 
young boy learns how to read and when that young daughter now can write her name from the very first time. But as years pass and as children become adults, life has a way of becoming more complex, more convoluted, and more complicated. And while we have an ability to solve problems and find solutions and discover cures, it's even remarkable what we can do. We can build bridges over oceans. We can build tunnels through mountains. We can fly planes through clouds. We can even launch rockets into outer space. But yet there are some things that we cannot do by ourselves. Despite our abilities, accomplishments, or accolades, even though we have insight and intelligence and ingenuity, even though we have efficiency, education, and expertise, despite our mastery, our means, or our money, there are some problems we cannot solve. And there are some situations we cannot fix. And there are some circumstances that we just cannot alleviate. And that's because we are limited in our power. But God is unlimited. We are mortal, but he is immortal. Huh? We are finite, but he is infinite. He is all-wise, all-knowing, all-sufficient, all-powerful, and all-knowledgeable. There is nobody like him. He's in a class all by himself. When Jesus came, everything about him was distinct and different. Jesus lived in humility. He walked with probity. He stood with integrity. He spoke with clarity. He prayed with authority. He died in dignity. He rose in victory. He's returning in ecstasy and he reigns for eternity. He is the one that has all power. Huh? But when you begin to think about yourself, I think about me and I'm so limited in what I can do. Even David, after he slew the giant Goliath, and even though he had been anointed to be the king over Israel, and even though they sang about him that Saul has slain thousands, but David has slain ten thousands. It was that same man that wrote in Psalm 39 and 4. He said, teach me, O Lord, how frail I am. Because the truth of the matter is we are only one accident away. We are only one diagnosis away. We are only one job termination away from our lives being flipped upside down. Huh? It's the knowledge that we are just limited. And as much as we don't want to admit it, there are some things that are purely out of our reach. See, there was a day that uh, there was talk back and forth. Matter of fact, humanity had decided once and for all they could do everything that God could do. So this group of scientists set out to challenge God. 
so they had this conversation that whatever you can do, we can follow in your footsteps. You name it, we can duplicate it. So they set the stage and told God, they said, we can even create life just like you. We'll even let you go first. So God did what only he can do. He reached down into the dirt and the dust and he began to shape a man and began to mold him. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And there in a moment, that piece of dirt became a living being. So the scientists watched all that unfold and said, okay, now it's our turn. We're going to do the same exact thing. And so they reached down and began to get their dirt. And God stopped them and said, no, you got to make your own dirt. We think we got it, but everything we have is because God has given it to us. Uh-huh. Our accounts that have money in them is because God gave it to us. Eyes that we can see, ears that we can hear, a heart that pumps the blood, lungs that can give us breath is because the Lord has given it to us. Uh, and his ways, Isaiah 55 says, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. God is the one that never miscalculates. He never misjudges and he never misinterprets. God is the one that's never unethical. He's never unrighteous and he's never unfair. God is the one that's never inappropriate, incorrect, or inaccurate. God is the one that never lies, deceives, or misleads. He's the one that's never made a mistake. He has never stumbled. He has never fallen. He has never let you down. God is the one that never stabs you in the back. He never breaks your heart and he never walks out of your life. People can let you down. But God gave us a promise in his word that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Hebrews 13 and 8 say he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Psalm 46 of 1 says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's the one that can be there for us when all others fail. He's the one that can stand the test of time when everything else seems to crumble underneath our feet. God is the one that's the tranquility in the times of worry. He's the one that's my serenity in times of anxiety. It's God that's my stability in times of adversity. He's my harmony in the times of disunity. He's my consistency in the times of unfamiliarity. There's nobody like him. And I don't need anybody to mess up my world. I can do it all by myself. I don't even need any assistance. You just give me a little time, I can ruin it for you. One old preacher said, I'm not a builder, I'm a destroyer. I can't build much, but you give me a hammer, I can destroy something in a hurry. Huh? 
It can take our entire lives to build something up. But in just seconds, it can be torn down. It can take a lifetime to build character, but just a few moments to let that character disappear and slide through your fingertips. Huh? And even in the Word of God, we find these moments where God reaches for people. And it's always amazing that when He calls, He, he calls people that are unworthy, He calls people that are unsuited, that are undeserving that are unfit, that are unqualified, but yet he still calls them. He started to call this man by the name of Jonah, began to commission him to go and preach in the city of Nineveh. Jonah was so overwhelmed by this calling that he, he thought to himself, surely God missed it when he called me. Sometimes we think that in our minds. No, God surely can't use me. Uh, I'm, I'm too, I've made too many mistakes. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Abraham said, I'm too old. Uh, huh? We have excuses why God can't use us. Gideon said, I, I'm too worried. Uh, Martha said, I'm too afraid. Moses said, you can't use me. I'm stuttering. Peter said, you can't use me, I've cussed. Huh? Jonah said, no, no, you can't use me. I'm not the right person. You picked the wrong man for the job. You selected the wrong individual. You chose the wrong candidate. Jonah said, I'm getting away from this. I'm going to go out on the boat. I'm going to set sail in the opposite direction." God called me to Nineveh. I'm going to set sail and go the complete other way. But when God calls us, there's an old saying that says, you can run, but you can't hide. When God zeroes in on us, when the Lord reaches for you, there's nowhere to go but to him. Jonah found himself out on this boat. And while he was there on board the ship with men who were not religious, men who were not believers, who wouldn't be in synagogue worshiping Jehovah with him, yet they were on this boat and a storm began to rage and lightning began to flash and thunder began to roar and the waves began to rock that boat back and forth. It got so bad, it got so ugly, it got so dark that those men says there's somebody on this boat that has done something to make God mad. Isn't it something that even people that don't go to church can tell when somebody's in a bad situation. Somebody's living a life they shouldn't be living. Huh? I've watched and you've heard the stories and maybe even experienced it. When people leave the church, they think they can just go right back to the world. But no, you are never the same. You can sit on that bar stool like you did before, but the person beside you says, there's something different about you. What are you doing here? Well, something's happened to you. What's special about you? That's exactly what happened to Jonah. He's on board this boat and everybody's questioning, is there somebody running from God? And finally, Jonah speaks up and says, well, I'm the one that's done it. 
I'm supposed to go to Nineveh, but I'm not listening to his voice. I'm not doing it. He said, but I'll tell you what, if you want this storm to stop, just throw me overboard. This man has lost his mind. Can't you see the expressions on those faces? This guy's a few french fries short of a happy meal. He's wanting us to pick him up and throw him overboard the boat. This man ain't the head cashier at Walmart. He's wanting us to pick him up and throw him. You have lost your mind. No, I'm not either. Throw me overboard and watch what will happen. I think they were a little hesitant. But after so long, they said, okay, if you really think this is the answer, we'll do it. And they picked him up and they threw him off the deck of that ship. And some of you already know what's going to happen. He, he falls into that water and he begins to splash and as he's splashing, lo and behold, the Old Testament says there was a great fish. Jesus said it was a whale that swallowed him whole. And now he is on the inside of the whale's belly. That's somebody who has done a good job at destroying their life. Huh? Can you imagine what you're thinking in your mind? What you would like to post on your Facebook when you're on the inside of this whale's belly? If I could just get one picture, if, if I could just get a little selfie, I know this would, get, this would start gaining some traction. Huh? This would become a trending topic on Twitter. I'm on the inside of a whale's belly. But I find so interesting what the scripture says in Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says that the Lord spoke to the fish. He spoke to Jonah and Jonah wouldn't listen. So God had to up the ante. He's decided if you don't want to listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak to the fish. And when he spoke to the fish, would you believe that whale started to swim under God's GPS and spit Jonah up where else but on the coast of Nineveh? Jonah should have just done it God's way, but he had to do it his way. No matter what, what way you decide, God's still going to have the final say. He's still going to do what he wants to do. Jonah could have went under his own direction, but instead he went through the hard way. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost trying to speak to somebody. Maybe there's somebody here this morning you need direction. You're contemplating making some big decisions. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I know this is a little different kind of Sunday morning message, but you just need to do what God tells you to do. Follow the direction of the Lord. I promise you, you won't be let down. You won't be feeling sorrowful if you follow after the Lord. Solomon said in Proverbs 3 and 5, he said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. If you just follow God's direction, he'll put you where you need to be. Follow the Lord and he'll keep you when you can't keep yourself. Huh? See, Jonah wasn't the only example. We fast forward to the New Testament and we see possibly the, one of the greatest disciples, Simon Peter. 
Peter, the one that when Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? It was Peter that spoke up and said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. It was Peter that Jesus looked at and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was that same Simon Peter in Mark 9 that was on the Mount Transfiguration and saw the glory come down and saw Jesus transfigured before them. It was that same Simon Peter that walked into that house with Jairus' daughter who had already passed away, that 12-year-old girl who was laying lifeless. But not all the disciples were there. Matter of fact, the only three that were present were Peter, James, and John. But it was Jesus that grabbed that little girl by the hand and said, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. Peter saw it with his eyes. He heard it with his ears. He was an eyewitness to that little girl that was dead, but now she had come back to life. This was somebody that knew about the miraculous. He knew the hand of heaven when it came down. He knew the supernatural sovereign moving of the spirit of God. But it was that same Simon Peter that Jesus looked at and said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I won't either. You, you can take that to the bank. I will not deny you. Uh-uh. Nobody can make me deny you. But when he was warming his hands by the fire, come on, somebody, and they asked, are you one of those disciples? See, it's easy to serve him when you're with the crowd of believers. But when you're on the flip side and they put the hammer on you and they put the pressure on you to make you feel like you are foolish, like you are uneducated, like you are out of touch, like you are irrelevant. Are you one of those disciples? Now that's a different ball game. And Peter said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. One right after another till finally he had denied him three times over. And he heard the cock crow and remembered the words that Jesus spoke to him. And now he's living in this state of condemnation. I messed up. You find me one person that has never messed up and I will show you somebody who's not being honest. Find me one saint of God who's never fallen. And I'll tell you, somebody who's not giving you the full picture. Find me somebody that's never been discouraged, that's never lost their faith, that's never been disappointed, that's never had a hard time. You have to look for a long way to find somebody like that. Find somebody that says, I've never gone through a trial. I've never had to crawl through the valley. I've never been lonely. I've never been all by. No, 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 no. Each and every one of us know exactly what that's like. And Peter now is dealing. He doesn't need anybody to tell him his mistakes. He, his own heart is condemning himself. 
See, when I mess up, I don't need anybody to let me know. I can already get on my face and say, Lord, I don't know why you love me. I don't know why you put up with me. I don't know why you keep forgiving me. I don't know why you keep filling me with your spirit. Peter is dealing with this ideology that God can't love me because I've messed up. God can't use me. I've made mistakes. His mind is playing tricks on him. Does your mind ever play tricks on you? His mind is messing with him. His thoughts are confusing him. and He's in such a terrible place. He's in such a low place with God. In John chapter 21 that he tells the other disciples, he says, I'm just going fishing. It was more than just him saying, I'm going fishing. But it was that same man that Jesus spoke to and said, now Peter, you're not just going to catch fish, but from now on you're going to catch men. Huh? When he said, I'm going back to fishing, I'm just going to fill in the blank. He said, I'm done with this preaching business. I'm done trying to go to church. I'm done trying to be on fire for him. I've made too many mistakes. I've stumbled too many times. I've fallen over and over. I'm just going to go back to my old life. I'm going back to what I know I'm good at. I know I can catch fish, so that's what I'm going to do. He's trying to tear his life up. Sometimes we don't even know what we're doing, but we're tearing our life up. Whenever you walk away from the Lord, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're doing. You're tearing your life up. Somebody says, I don't need the church anymore. I can already promise you what your future holds. It's going to hold sadness. It's going to hold family turmoil. It's going to hold drama. It's going to hold shaky relationships. Peter just said, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go fishing. I'm just going to be that old fisherman. He goes out on the water and lets his net down. and He can't catch any fish, Brother Williams. This doesn't make sense. He takes the best bait that money can buy and he can't catch any fish. He's trying every trick of the trade and he can't catch any fish. He's using all his skill set. He's using everything that he's learned through years and years of experience and yet he still can't catch any fish. And while he's on this boat, Becoming aggravated, upset, and angry. You can see it unfolding there on the boat. He's getting mad at himself and mad because the money's not coming in like it's supposed to and upset because his finances are stressing him out and he's becoming angry because his career's not going the way he wanted it to go and he's starting to reach this low place out on the water and he hears this voice from the shore and the voice cries out and says have you caught any fish didn't know it but it was Jesus that was speaking to him and said have you caught any fish yet because when you walk away from the Lord you're not going to find what you're looking for 
You're going to try to fish in this thing called life. But you know what you're going to find? You're going to find no purpose. You might find a lot of money, but you're not going to find happiness. You may have a big house, but you're not going to have that home that you've always wanted. You may have a career that's thriving and and flourishing, but you feel like you just don't accomplish what you really want to accomplish. Peter's there on that boat and says, I can't catch anything. Can't catch a single fish. Jesus hollered back and said, why don't you do this? Try it my way. Throw your net on the other side. I think that's all Jesus had to say because Peter remembered that other experience he had when Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And he said, I toiled all night long and I've caught nothing, but nevertheless at your word. Peter started to remember, hey, I'm gonna try it your way, Jesus. He threw his net over. He didn't wait. He jumped off the boat. He went swimming back to Jesus. He said, I'm gonna try it your way. Your way brings me happiness. Your way gives me peace that passes all understanding. Your way gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hey, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, serve the Lord. It'll pay off in the long run. Give God everything. You'll you'll be glad that you did. Serving with all of your heart. Serving with all of your mind. Serving with all of your soul. Put God first in every decision. Put God first in every decision. Put God first in every decision. And you'll be so glad you did it God's way. Because when we reach the other side of glory and we we walk down the street of gold and when we see the gate of pearl and the wall of jasper, we're going to think to ourselves, I'm thankful that I didn't get caught up in my shortcomings. I'm thankful I didn't always listen to myself but I listened to the Lord. Thankful I didn't follow my heart, but I followed heaven. The prophet said in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But oh, if we will follow after Jesus today, if you will put your life in the hand of the man from Galilee, if you'll kneel at an altar and say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. I don't know why you got me on this path, but I'm going to follow your way. I don't know why I'm having to deal with this hurt and heartache, but I'm going to do it your way. I don't know why I'm going through sadness and sorrow, but I'm going to do it your way. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if you could raise your hands to the Lord this morning as the music's getting ready to come. Oh, I feel the spirit of God in this place right now. Woo! Shatando bohusa. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I almost have to wonder that on that day of Pentecost, when Peter got up and preached the infamous Acts 2.38 message, when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When Peter spoke in verse 39 and said, this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. When 3,000 were converted and one right after another, disciples were being made and the Holy Ghost was falling and the baptismal waters had been stirred. I just have to wonder if there was somebody that came up to Simon Peter and said, hey, when I talked to you last time, you were done. You were ready to walk away. You were overcome with emotion. What happened? I wonder if Simon Peter said, I just did it God's way. I just tried it God's way. And now look where I am. Oh, I wonder today as every head is bowed, every eye is closed with nobody looking around. I wonder what would happen if there would be somebody that would just make up in their mind and decide in their heart and determine in their soul, God, I'm going to follow your way. I'm not going to follow my own footsteps. I'm not going to follow my own direction, but I'm going to follow you. Hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to trust in you. Oh, would you open your heart right now? Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I stand in the gap and I rebuke the devourer. We take authority over the prince and the power of the air. I come against every lie the enemy's trying to whisper. Woo! I stand against every misdirection that the adversary's trying to give. I come against any confusion that's trying to be put into the minds of your people. Lord, I pray that on this Sunday, you would wrap your arms of love around us like only you can. God, send your peace direct from the corridors of heaven. God, send your joy down ah, from the portals of glory. And I pray upon every saint, upon every guest, every man and woman, every teenager and child, Lord, we would open our hearts, we would open our minds, and we would open our voices, and we would tell you all over again, I'm going to do it your way. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.